Hey church, I'm so proud of you for seeking God today. We're continuing in our series, Faith Walker, and we're learning one week at a time, how do we walk with God right now? I don't know about you, but I'm tired in a lot of different ways. Physically tired, emotionally tired. And so today we're going to be answering the question, how do we walk with God when we're fatigued or when we're weary? You know, one of the things I love about young kids is how much energy they have, but then when they get tired, how they just crash. Here's a picture of my two girls uh, one day after they'd been playing all day out in the sun, and when it came time for bed, we sent them in to get their jammies on, and when I went in to just do our normal bedtime routine, I went in and found this. They were so weary that they just crashed, and even though they have two separate beds, apparently they didn't make it into the two separate beds. You know, as we get older, there's different kinds of weariness. Some things we can go to sleep and wake up and feel better, but if you're anything like me, there's some weariness, some things that exhaust you in life that even when you wake up in the morning, it's still there. I know that's the case for many of our medical doctors and medical workers right here in our church family. Here's a picture of Dr. Kevin Tolliver. Kevin is a ER doctor with Eskenazi Health, and he works right there on the front lines. So as COVID began and as COVID-19 continues every day, Kevin is working with patients in the hospitals. And I know that he and so many of our nurses and doctors have expressed just this sense of fatigue, that a lot of the nation is acting like COVID is done, but they don't have that luxury. They're still seeing it every day. Uh, here's a picture of the break room where Kevin wrote a post recently, and here's what he said. He said, had another tough day dealing with COVID. An elderly patient of mine is in the process of dying from the disease, and her daughter had to say goodbye over an iPad. Kevin writes, this has become much too commonplace over the last few months, and it's always gut-wrenching. I left the patient's room as this was about to happen so the daughter could say goodbye to her mom on an iPad. He said the patient was very sick but awake enough to speak, and describing his fatigue, Kevin says, as I stepped out into the hallway, the hospital chaplain was standing right there to support me. He goes on to describe just how much it felt, how good it felt to have someone right there to help him. And, uh, you know, for Kevin and so many of our medical workers, it's a fatigue from dealing with COVID. For so many of our police officers and law enforcement, it's a fatigue of the strain in our society. For so many of our African-American brothers and sisters right here in our church family, there's this continued fatigue of grieving what has happened and what still isn't fully made right. I don't know what kind of fatigue you're dealing with. I don't know where it is that you're weary. Maybe you've been working on your marriage and it just seems like it's not happening. Maybe you've been working on your finances and it's not coming together. Maybe you run a business and your business is affected or your job is affected by COVID or by the economy and you're just ready for things to get back to normal. I think all of us, if you're not tired, you're tired of everything not being normal, and we're all just kind of weary in different ways. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but when I'm tired, I get grumpier. 
And when we're all tired and we all get a little bit grumpy, it can be difficult sometimes to be around a bunch of other tired, grumpy people. Well, here's a question. I know some of you at home and you're like elbowing each other like, yeah, it is kind of difficult being around you right now. Here's a question for you. Which part of you right now, a little self-reflection, which part of you would you say is the most weary? I mean, is it your body that you can just hardly keep your eyes open? If so, I want to encourage you, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. You know, make sure you're getting seven or eight hours of sleep, especially when you're going through stressful and difficult times. Is it your mind that's fatigued? Uh, we live at a time, I mean, all our ancestors before us, in a given day, we will access as much data and information as they would in weeks or months, and our brains get tired. Maybe you need to slow down your intake of news or social media or even entertainment to just give your mind a rest. Or, like so many of our doctors and nurses, like so many of us right now, is it your spirit? Your very spirit or your soul is just fatigued because you see injustice in the world or, or you see people making choices and you think, oh man, they, they don't realize the implications of those choices. Or, or you're listening to people and you're being empathetic and there's a thing called compassion fatigue. Is it your spirit? Is it your soul that's just worn out, you're trying to do things God's way, and you're just running out of energy. Here's my question for you today. If I could tell you today how to trade in your weariness, just like sometimes people go to a car dealership and they, they show up in an old car and they trade it in and leave in a new one. If you could trade in your weariness, if you could trade in your fatigue, your exhaustion for strength, if you could do that, if I could tell you how to do that today, would you want to know how? Well, I am so excited to share with you this passage of scripture because this is what I have lived in this last week. I got to tell you guys, I was at such a fatigued, exhausted place from trying to be about God's work in the world. And I, I reached a wall where it was just like, God, I just don't have anything else. And his spirit brought this passage to mind. It has renewed my strength, and I want to share it with you in the hopes that it will renew your strength as well. I know it will if you'll take God up on his offer. Here's how it starts in Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 30. It says, even youths become weak and tired. Right? Kids of all people, they wake up in the morning, and it's like they have so much energy. So often my wife and I will say, I wish we had as much energy as our kids do. But this passage of scripture is saying, even the youngest, strongest people become weak and tired. Even the strongest Olympians, they still have to sleep at night. It's part of the human condition. We all get tired. That's true of our bodies. It's true of our minds. And it's also true of our spirit and our soul. Young men, the strongest humans, will fall in exhaustion. Even those who are physically the strongest will eventually wear out. And the word of God then says this. But those who trust in the Lord. Now we're going to unpack what that means. But here's what I want you to notice. This is conditional. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. It's not everyone it's not just like God will give new strength to everyone in the world. No, this is a, a, a supernatural strength that God gives to those who trust in him. What does that mean? That's what we're going to learn today. Those who trust in the Lord, they'll find a new strength. 
Their energy will be renewed, revitalized. They'll actually soar high on wings like eagles. On wings like eagles. We're going to unpack that in a minute. They'll run and they'll not grow weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. Of course, this was written in a culture where people often walked miles and miles to get from one destination to another. And they knew what it was to walk, not for pleasure or exercise, but in necessity, and just grow weary. And God says, those who trust in me, I will renew their strength so that every step they're supposed to walk in life, they'll have the energy to do it. Now, I love this phrase here, they'll soar high on wings like eagles. I was out walking the other day, and I actually saw an eagle. Uh, And I believe it was heaven sent. I mean, it was like God sent this eagle. This wasn't the one. I don't have that good of a camera on my phone, okay? But this is a picture of an eagle soaring. Here's the deal. I was walking, and I was praying, and I was like, God, you know, what do we do with reopening the church? We've got one group that says one thing, another that says another. Lord, how do we help our white folks in our church understand how our African-American folks feel? How do we help our police officers in our church who are great, noble people, how do we help them know that we appreciate them and we support them? And how, God, as a shepherd, how do I keep this body united? And, and Lord, it's so hard to shepherd a flock when I show up at the building and preach to an empty room to a camera, and I, I know they all see it online, but I was just pouring out my heart to God. I was telling him I was weary, And that's when I look up and I see this eagle. And here's what was so cool about it. It was super windy out. And this eagle, its wings were spread out just like this. And as the wind kept shifting, it didn't flap at all. I don't know, maybe sometimes you've seen a smaller bird. And when it has to take off, it's like flapping and fluttering and and flailing. And a lot of times in life when I'm doing it in my strength, that's what I look like. I mean, that's what I look like. I'm flailing, I'm fluttering. I'm like, God, I'm doing everything I can with these tiny wings. It's a huge difference from an eagle. Eagles and some hawks, the way they spread their wings, they just ride the currents. They just ride it. And they have a way of just kind of tilting their neck a little bit or leaning their body weight. It's it's how God made them that they just, they ride the currents. And I love it that this promise God has for you today, it doesn't say those who wait on the Lord will get the strength to flap their wings furiously and wear themselves out. It says those who trust in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who wait in the Lord, they'll renew their strength and they'll soar like those eagles just being carried along by the current of what God is doing in the world. The eagle doesn't generate the wind that lifts it high. The eagle rides on what God has created. And as followers of Jesus, he says in John 15, if you abide in me, I will abide in you, and then you'll do the things that you're supposed to do in the world. You ride the wind of what God is doing. Now, if you're familiar with this really beautiful promise, You may know that in some of the older translations, this word, those who trust in the Lord, some translations say those who hope in the Lord. Go back far enough, older translations say those who wait on the Lord. So why is it that sometimes this word is different? Here's why, because the Hebrew word that we're translating into English there, it has all those ideas in it. It's the idea if you're waiting at a hospital and someone you love is in the surgery waiting room 
and you're looking at the door waiting for the doctor to come through to say, how did the surgery go? That's what this word is. You're waiting, you're hoping, you're trusting. It's the idea of expectation. In other words, it's not just saying, oh yeah, I trust in God. It's saying, I expect that God's gonna fix the problems in the world. My hope where I'm exhausted is that God will give me strength and maybe God will give me wisdom that I don't need to be worrying about some things or, or flapping my wings in some ways. I'm gonna look to him. I'm gonna hope in him. I'm gonna have expectation that he's gonna provide. He's gonna do miracles. He'll give me my daily bread. He'll give me peace. So at the beginning of our time, I said, if I could tell you today how to trade in your weariness for God's strength, would you wanna know how? Well, here's the answer from the word of God. Look to God with eager expectation. Yes, trust in him, hope in him, wait in him. That's why I've said eager expectation. It's that Hebrew word I was telling you about. You're looking to God wherever there's fatigue. If it's fatigue of the soul, it's because something's broken in the world. And if you just keep looking around at how broken it is or at human ideas of fixing it, you will remain fatigued. Now, we should be broken about what's broken in the world, but not to the point that it depresses us. We look with expectation. Jesus is going to set all things right. And even until he returns, he's going to use us to be part of bringing about his new kingdom. And it's as you look to God with what's broken. Look to God with your fatigue and say, God, I'm worn out in this area. I don't know what to do here, but I eagerly expect you've got a plan in this. You've got a plan for my family. You've got a plan for me. You've got a plan for my business. You've got a plan for my marriage where it seems broken beyond repair. You've got a plan for the world. Lord, I look to you with eager expectation. More eagerly than I look to any news source or any social media channel or to my own strength, I look to you, God, with an eager expectation. And if you'll do that, he will renew your strength. It's so interesting. Many of the promises that God makes us in Scripture are what's called a conditional promise. A conditional promise would be like this. Hey, I've got a free bar of gold for you. You just need to stop by uh, the church and I'll hand it to you. That's a conditional promise. And if you didn't get the bar of gold, it would be on you because you just didn't stop by the church to get it. Now, please don't mob the church. We don't have any bars of gold here, okay? But a conditional promise is if you'll do this, then I'll come through and do this. And so many of God's promises to us in scripture are conditional. If you want to have eternal life and have your sins forgiven, well, you've got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and believe he died on the cross for you. If you want to have your strength renewed, well, there's something you've got to do. You've got to look to God with eager expectation. You've got to place your hope in him rather than in any other thing. What is this Hebrew word to look with expectancy, with expectation? What does it look like in everyday life? Well, let me give you an illustration. It's not something that I do every day, but it's something that thousands of people do every day. There's thousands of people who go and buy lottery tickets. Why do they do that? Well, they have some level of hope and trust and expectation, that if they buy this, they, they have some amount of faith that there's a chance. 
And some people get addicted and they have so much hope in a lottery ticket that they'll spend thousands of dollars over the course of their life. And of course, the numbers are not in their favor that they'll get much of that back. But that's a very tangible example of someone placing their hope, their expectation. Does that make sense for you? And so what God is saying is, place your expectation in me, not in the world getting better or in any human source of strength, but place your very expectation in me. I don't know if you ever have felt like you're just alone in the world. I remember when I was a kid, my family, it was the one time I went to Disney World as a kid, and I must have been seven or eight years old, and somehow I got separated from my family. I'm a youngest, so this was not uncommon. And I got separated from my family, and it was the time when there was the parade. And I remember as this little kid in the crowd, I couldn't find my family anywhere. It's this kind of traumatic memory. But I show you this picture, because I think if we're honest, especially when we're tired, when we're fatigued, we might feel like, yeah, God, I know you love me, but I just feel alone. I don't feel like you're anywhere around. I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of in this sea of people all by myself against the world. God knows what it feels like to feel that way. It's how Jesus often felt. And he actually says it here in Isaiah 40. Look at verse 27. Before this promise of, if you'll trust in me, I'll renew your strength, God says this, how can you say, the Lord doesn't see my troubles? Don't we feel like that sometimes? Like, God, don't you see what we're going through here? Oh, Israel, people of God, how can you say, God ignores your rights? Right? Sometimes we feel like, God, where are you? And then I just love how this scripture continues. Have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God? In other words, we're in this moment of time where we're distressed, but he's the everlasting, unending God. He sees what we're going through. He's the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. We always will grow weak and weary, physically, mentally, spiritually. He never does. In any of those realms, the physical realm, the spiritual realm, the intellectual realm, he never gets, he never has a day where he's just like, oh man, I just can't do anything else today. God, God is the source of energy. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak. And if you're feeling powerless, he gives strength to the powerless. This is the lead up to that promise. If you'll trust in him, he'll renew your strength. I don't know if you've ever used a cordless drill Cordless drill, very often you've, you've got a battery pack and the battery pack has to plug into a charger which plugs into the wall. And if you're working for a while or if somebody didn't plug the battery pack in, you get the drill and it's like, right? It doesn't have enough energy to actually, you know, twist and to actually tighten or loosen anything. And so what do you have to do? Well, it's very simple, but there's really only one thing you can do. You got to plug it back in. And that's essentially what we're learning here in Isaiah 40 is that even when you want to do God's will and you want to live for him, if you're not plugged into him, you'll run out of strength. And when you do find yourself at a place of soul fatigue, mind fatigue, 
weariness, what God says is just plug back into me. Rest a little bit. Remember that while you sleep, he's able to keep the world spinning at the proper rotation. He's able to feed the birds of the air. You can rest. Let me give you three ways to plug into God's power. Three ways that just like if you're that battery pack of a cordless drill and it's completely on empty, you can just plug right back in and he can recharge you. These all come from Isaiah 40 and here's the first one. Make the word of God the loudest voice in your life. Make the word of God the loudest voice in your life. And uh, you probably hear me say this idea a lot because the word of God says it a lot. But here's where we struggle in our modern era is to actually do this. We have so many other voices coming through our phones. So many voices. So many. I could list them all. But here's the thing. If you want to recharge on God, if you want him to, to refill you back up, you've got to make it the loudest voice in your life. If it's not a voice or if it's a very small voice, you're going to find yourself depleted. So I say this in love. Get the word of God on audio. Get a life application study Bible. If you don't have one, you can text the word Bible and we will deliver one to you. Be in a small group where you're encouraging each other to be reading the word of God. Get our daily devotional where every day for a one minute video, I, I unpack one verse and then you can go deeper. Why do we keep saying that? Because this is where you find your strength in a world that will otherwise deplete you. Listen to this from Isaiah 40 earlier in verse five. It says, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. If you, if you look around you, you will be depressed, but the glory of the Lord up above, it will be revealed. Someday, all people are gonna see, even people who denied that God exists or people who hated God or lived like he doesn't exist, they're gonna see his glory eventually. And all people, every nation, every tribe from all of history will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Here's what you need to know about the word of God. God speaks. Here's one of the things he says. He says that people are like grass. <laughs> you and me, we're like grass, right? The grass that's in your yard right now, it wasn't there a year ago. A hundred years from now, the people living on your block or in your house, if it's still there, it's going to be different people. Every generation comes and goes, and we think it's all about us, but we're just as temporary as a blade of grass, our beauty fades, we age, and just like the flowers in the field, after that season ends, they wither. Listen to this, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God, it stands forever. 100 years from now, I'm not gonna be here, but there will be someone in this community proclaiming the word of God. 200 years from now, until Christ returns. A 1,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, the word of God stands. Do you need some stability in a shaking world? Do you need some power where you're depleted? Get the word of God, drink it into your soul. Be like a battery that's plugged into a charger and you're just like absorbing. God, I need your wisdom. I need your words. I, I love it. There are passages of scripture that say the word of God actually nourishes your bones. It gives strength to your body. So that's the first of three ways you can start to recharge today. Here's the second one. Make the size of God your perspective. And here's what I mean. If you read Isaiah 40, and I would encourage you to read this entire chapter in your small group, in your life application study Bible, there's this theme 
that God is just so much bigger than the problems that consume us. Uh, Here's an example of that. This passage talks about the size of the earth. And I just want you to think for a moment. I want you to zoom out. Wherever it is that you've been fatigued in your marriage or in your habits or with your career or with the world, and often it's good things. We're trying to do the right thing, but we're fatigued from it. I just want you to zoom out. Know that first of all, that thing will pass in time eventually. I mean, 100 years from now, because of your faith in Christ, you're gonna be with God in heaven. And that thing that seems all-consuming right now, it'll just be a memory. So not only is it very small in the scheme of time, but my problems and yours, as big as they are to us, they're small on the scale of time, but they're also small on the scale of size. I mean, if you look at a picture of earth and you try to find yourself or even your house or even our state, you have a hard time finding it. We're such tiny creatures on a planet that is really a, a relatively small planet orbiting around a relatively small star in the universe, and it just goes on and on. And listen to this from Isaiah 40 about how big your God is. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? I mean, we've gone further into space than we have into parts of the ocean where it's so deep that we can't even go down there. The submarines would would implode because of the pressure of the water. We don't even know how deep We can't go to how deep the oceans are, but God, he can just hold that in his hand. Who else has measured off the heavens, you know? Oh, from that star to that star with their fingers. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. I think of a bucket of water. You've got one drop in that whole bucket of water. God says, not just the nation that we live in, but all the nations of all time, that's how little they are. It's phenomenal that he loves us enough to die on the cross for us when we're this insignificant in size to him. They're nothing more than dust on the scales. This was back in the day when it was an agricultural society and most things were bartered and things would be weighed on the scales and the dust from the wheat or whatever had been on there would be on the scales and a really honest merchant would blow that dust off. So this was a picture when God gave this word to Isaiah the prophet that the people would have known what it looks like to see that dust blow off the scales very insignificant listen to this God sits above the circle of the earth (laughs) I love it that this was written thousands and thousands of years ago when the scientists of the time thought that the earth was flat or was carried on the back of an elephant or whatever and God in his word says it's a circle but God sits above it The problems that surround us, the problems that overwhelm us, he sits above those problems. He already knows how he's going to solve them. In fact, as a God who's not limited by time, he really already has solved them. We're just waiting for it all to process through so we can see the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross. The people below seem like grasshoppers. Like if you're out walking in the grass and there's little bugs hopping around, that's our size to him. So when you find yourself fatigued, let the word of God recharge you and then restore your perspective of how big God is. Here's the third way for you to plug in and recharge your battery. Make God's promise your obsession. 
Did you know wherever you're fatigued or discouraged in your life, there's a promise for you in the word of God? I mean very specific. There's promises that I claimed when I was looking for a spouse. There's promises that I claimed when Mel and I couldn't conceive or then when we had miscarriages. There was promises that we claimed when we started to adopt our youngest daughter and she was at an orphanage in Haiti without parents there and we're praying for her every day saying, God, we wanna bring her home. There's a promise for what you're going through in your business. There's a promise for justice where you lack justice. There's a promise where you're misunderstood. There's a promise for you in the word of God, but have you sought it? We give you these life application study Bibles because it has got a great tool in the back. You can look up any struggle in your life and you can find the promise from the word of God. But have you found his promise for you? Have you found it? Have you written it out? Have you memorized it? Have you made it your screensaver? Have you become obsessive in a healthy way about God's promises? Just like it's so easy to binge a show on Netflix or tune out on the same social media platform every day or go back to the same news outlet every day. Those things are designed to addict our brains. Did you know that you can choose to say, I'm gonna willfully choose to be obsessive about the promises of God for the problems in my life? That's what I'm gonna do. And when you will make God's promise your obsession, then you're gonna find that he starts to recharge your batteries. He starts to renew your strength. You know, there's some batteries that only God can recharge. There's some things in life that only the promises of God can get you through. But I've seen the promises of God. I've seen the promises of God carry people through injustice. I've seen the promises of God carry people who are falsely accused. I've seen the promises of God carry believers across the threshold as they breathe their final breath in this life and go into eternity. I've seen the promise of God carry a spouse who's praying that God would heal the marriage, knowing only God could change that other person's heart. I've seen the promise of God carry a mother who's praying for her wayward children. We know that the promises of God carried Harriet Tubman as she fled slavery and then helped others escape. The promises of God carried Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. The promises of God can carry you, but there's all those people had an obsession. It wasn't a casual like, oh yeah, I've heard that verse. It was like, that's my verse. That's not just a verse, that's a promise from my father in heaven. That's a promise to me. You know, one of the promises Jesus makes us, that God makes us, is that this world isn't our home. That even though we will have trouble in this world, he has overcome the world. He's bigger than it. And Jesus told so many stories about this. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus over and over, he's saying, my kingdom is not of this world. So live not to store up treasures here on earth, but live for the next life because that's the life that will be an eternal life and your position and prosperity there matter a lot more than your position and prosperity here. One of the stories that Jesus told, we call them parables, was this idea of a farmer who owns a big farm and, and he leaves it in the care of different managers. And Jesus told this story in a few different ways at a few different times. I'm not going to go into big detail about it, but the point is this. If you're a manager on a farm and you've got all these acres and all this land and you know, I don't own it, 
but it's mine to run and operate, and the master, the owner, is going to return and say, what did you do with it? I remember feeling this way because when I was in high school and some of my college years, I worked on an apple orchard. It was a big farm. And the guy who owned it was very generous to me and the other employees, but he would often show up and he would give us a job and then he would leave and all day long we'd be there by ourselves and some of the guys would kind of mess around and not work as much, but eventually he always returned. And when he returned, he would inspect our work. And this promise is cited here in Isaiah 40 verse 10. It says this, yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. You know, Jesus, the first time he came to earth, he came as a little baby. When he returns next time, he's going to return as a judge with an army. He's going to set right the injustices and the evils, not only that we've witnessed in our lifetime, but the injustices and evils across all of history. He's coming with power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him. For those who seek first the kingdom of God, for those who say, God, I will live for your kingdom. And with everything I have in this world, I will be about your work. And I'm going to go about it in your way. Guess what? There's a reward for you. This is one of your promises. God will keep this promise. He's this powerful He's going to come back as a judge, and the same God who looks down on people like grasshoppers, there will be judgment for evil. And so while we fight for justice in this life, we know that when we're not able to achieve it, God will. He sees the human heart. He knows what every person's choosing and what their motives are. But listen to this. I, I just love this chapter of Isaiah. This is how muscular and strong your God is. But how does he use that strength toward you? Well, if you've placed your faith in Christ, here is what he does with his strong arms. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms. By the way, that's not the most efficient way to carry a lamb. Maybe you've seen pictures. The more efficient way is to put it on your shoulders. But there's something about carrying a lamb in your arms. Why would you do that? It's because you're holding that close to your heart like you would with a puppy or a baby who you're walking to sleep. This is how God feels about you, the same God who sits over the earth. All the nations are like grasshoppers to him. He's gonna come back, he's gonna judge, and if you've placed your faith in Christ, when that judgment comes, and even when you're walking through difficulty in this world, he's gonna feed you like a shepherd, He's going to hold you close to his heart. He's going to gently lead all of us where other people are dependent on us and we get fatigued. Moms especially, I don't know how moms do it, is so exhausting because you're constantly giving to others. God says, if you're fatigued from caring for others, trust in me. Look expectantly to me. I love this picture of these sheep you know, sheep, you'll never see a wild herd of sheep. You might see wild deer, uh, other wild animals. Why don't you see wild sheep? Very simple. If sheep don't have a shepherd, they get eaten. <laughs> if there's wild sheep, they've been eaten. Because sheep have no defense against a predator. They can't outrun a predator. They can't outfight a predator. And God, over and over in Scripture, he refers to us as sheep. 
And that might feel demeaning, but the point is this, we have a good shepherd. I love it in Psalm 23. You can go deeper in that chapter as well if you want in your Bible. Psalm 23, there's these two ideas. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes God makes you lie down. And if you're fatigued, maybe right now God's saying, just rest. You know what? Just take a week without social media. Take a week without reading the news. The world won't stop operating if you don't read the news for a week. Take a week away from what is fatiguing your mind or your body. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And listen to this. He restores my soul. Nothing else can restore your soul. Night of sleep can't restore your soul. Only God can restore your soul. So let's look back at our big idea. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. God wants this for you today. How can you do it? How can you trade your weariness for God's strength? We're reviewing here so that we can live it out this week. Three things. You make the word of God the loudest voice in your life. If you're not doing that, then don't complain to God that you're weary. Make the size of God your perspective. Lord, I, I, I'm concerned about these things in my life and world, but I'm gonna remind myself that you're bigger. Third, find God's promises for your pain and become obsessive about his promises. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. God wants this for you. I want this for you. I have lived on both sides of this, the extreme fatigue of the soul and mind and experiencing that if I'll obsess on the word of God and if I'll lift my eyes to him and make his word the loudest voice in my ear, he renews my strength. He wants to do that for you this week. Let me pray for you right now. Father, Lord, I pray for every single person. Lord, you see all of us. You see where we are fatigued from life. You see where we're weary, even from trying to go about your work and do the right things, but we're just exhausted. And God, you give us this beautiful promise, this conditional promise. If we will trust in you, if we will hope in you, you will renew our strength. You will revitalize us. You will restore our souls. And so God, I just claim that promise for every one of my brothers and sisters. Lord, wherever they've been weary, I pray that this week, Lord, would you give them the strength to rest in you? Would you give them the willpower to turn down the other voices and turn up the volume of your word, to lift their eyes up above the fray and all the frustration and see you as bigger? And God, would you give them right now the ability to find your promises, to claim them, and to be obsessive about the promises of God? Lord, renew our strength. We trust in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.